I am Bella Wood, and this is Removed. This is a podcast where I ask three people the same three questions, and each person picks the next, so I see where I go and what my answers are. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, we're recording. So, Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Bella? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing good. It's nice seeing you. Um, as a little background for the listeners, uh, you and I know each other because I started a sociology book club for St. Augustine and the surrounding area. And you were my, uh, probably my most uh, frequent uh, participant and I, most passionate, I would say. Tried to be dedicated. Sociology is important to me. So your club really hit a... Um, an important part of my life. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, of course. No problem. And uh, once I am out of school, I hope to restart it. Uh, It won't be based out of St. Augustine, but it could be like a Zoom club. And uh, so we're taking a a hiatus at the moment. Yeah. And and with Zoom, we know we can, you know, be anywhere. Exactly. So that works really well. I think Zoom kind of popped up at a good time because uh, I wouldn't have known how to continue it um, once I had moved. So it worked out. Yes. Definitely. Um, so Jim, can you introduce yourself? Just give us your name, which I just mentioned, um, who you are, uh, where you're from, and what you do. Okay. Um, uh, my name is Jim Rothweiler, and I uh, originally am from St. Louis. Uh, but um, I lived in New Jersey for 30 years, and for the past 10 years, I've lived in um, Daytona Beach area. Um, I lived in 30 years, I uh, lived in New Jersey for 30 years because I worked for the Bell system. Uh, I hired into um, uh, Southwestern Bell after school, uh, well, in the middle of school because I continued school after I hired in. But, um, and then I migrated from headquarters um, marketing in St. Louis for Southwestern Bell to AT&T in New Jersey and stayed there for another almost 30 years, working for New Jersey. Then I retired, formed a consulting company for market research and new product development, and worked another 15 years for the Bell System and their competitors doing um, new product development. And 10 years ago, I came to Florida. That was right about the time that uh, the, oil spill was going on in the Gulf and I always wanted to live on the beach and the beaches not only in Florida were threatened but they talked about the beaches in New Jersey being threatened so I thought this is a good time in my life to come down to Florida and been here ever since. Nice. Nice. I have a question for you Bella. Yes. I thought I'd start with a question for you. Okay. Today, Today is the 50th anniversary of an important television program key to people of my generation it started in 1971 i was in the army i had been married for about six months and this show came on and changed our generation's life Mm -hmm. today is the 50th anniversary today is the 50th anniversary of the first broadcast Is the word today a hint? It was January 12th. So 
that's the biggest hint I got. I have no idea. Um, all in the family. Oh, I would have never. All, all in the family with Meathead, you know, Rob Reiner. Mm -hmm. And it was a social awareness, leading edge TV that changed our lives with respect to social structure and uh, recognizing oppressed members of society and vocalizing that on television for the first time, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I have not watched All in the Family. Well, you didn't watch it when it first came out, but I figured you might have picked it up on reruns. I didn't. I'm, I'm sorry to say I have not. Oh, no. I know. You young, you young people, you have massive holes in your social knowledge. I know. We do. We really yeah. do. But now there's just so much to watch. It's overwhelming. I, you I know. know. I know. I, I, I remember sending you an email recently uh, describing how I grew up with three channels that went off at 11 or 12 o'clock at night with the test pattern. You had your choice from those three channels. It was, that, that was it. Yeah, I, I I guess I mean I love having the options, but sometimes I feel like the simplicity is easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, I, I, people of my generation, we grew up in a simpler time, wherein you know we watched shows like uh, Andy of Mayberry, where the compl complicated plots was Andy scheduled three lunches in the same day. You know that that was mm -hmm. that was the plot. You know, I mean, yeah. they were simple, simple. Yes, it's, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. I, I remember reading, uh, my, my, I have two daughters and they were into Gilmore Girls when they were growing up, so I had to watch every episode. And I remember reading that uh, Gilmore Girls in an average 20 minutes had more dialogue than Gunsmoke did in a whole season. What? Yes. Matt didn't, Dylan didn't say much, you know, they were simpler times. Oh my goodness. That's really, really funny. Yes. Wow. So the information processing is much faster nowadays. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We multitask. Yes. Multitask. Every, everything is multitasking. I'll, I'll have during the day I'll be watching because I trade stocks and futures. I'll be watching charts. I might be listening to a, a trader's room where they're talking about stocks. I'll also have, you know, something on TV like uh, MSNBC and I, I might have music going in the background mm -hmm. and that's my day. I mean, we never multitask like that when I was your age. Yeah. We focused on one thing and one thing only because we yeah. only had one thing available. So things have changed. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty good at multitasking. But once you do it so often, when you're only doing one thing, I just feel like I'm not doing enough. So, a gift and a curse, really. Yeah. I don't love it. And, and I got to see a picture of your generation. My daughters are 30 and 32, so they're a little older than you. But when my older daughter was seven, she was publishing an e-zine on, on the web and had like 60 readers. So she was already managing a publishing operation when she was seven years old. Just amazing stuff. Wow, that's impressive. Sixty. Yeah. People talk about you know the, the kids nowadays, and I had the experience completely the opposite of that negative 
uh, reaction. Uh, my kids went to public schools, but they were learning stuff in the sixth grade about probability and distribution that I didn't get until graduate school. Mm -hmm. They were so far ahead of me in the public education. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we get a bad rep, but uh, I don't know. I think we have a lot to bring to the table. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But then, you know, old people have been uh, kind of blasting the younger generation since Plato's time. So it's nothing new. Yeah. I'm sure when I'm older, I'm going to be like, oh, the kids, they don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I already say stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, so I'm retired. But you asked me what I do. I'm retired now. I have been, I don't know, for 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. But I keep pretty busy. I do a few lectures a year at, at uh, my Unitarian Universalist Association. Um, and I trade for a living, but I'm retired, so I don't have any bosses to, you know, hang over my head. Very nice. I feel retired even though I work every day. Yeah. And then, yeah. But I, I, I work, but I have control of my schedule. So. Right. So it, it, there's not all that pressure, I guess, unless it's no. coming from yourself. No. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I hope I do better on any further questions you have for me. But uh, You failed on the first one, yes. I know, I know. But uh, we'll, we'll see how you do with my questions. But okay. uh, Sounds I good. should be able to answer them all. Um, okay. So just to get you in the mood to answer questions, I will ask you the first question I ask everyone, which is, what is your favorite food? I did hear that one before. Um, hands down, it's pork steaks, St. Louis pork steaks. It's what I grew up on. And for the longest time, they, didn't, they weren't available anywhere outside of uh, St. Louis. Uh, but it's a standard in St. Louis. Uh, you go to any church picnic, and they have a big drum full of pork steaks that have been grilled and then put in barbecue sauce. And you go over and you get a pork steak sandwich. They take two pieces of white bread and with tongs, pull the pork steak out of the uh, vat of uh, barbecue sauce and shake it a little bit and put it on the bread. And there you go. You go to any bar in St. Louis and they almost all have pork steak sandwiches available. They might not have anything else, but they'll have pork steak sandwiches. Wow. I, I mean, not only are you my first pork steak, but... I've never had that before or have heard of it. It sounds really good though. It, it, it made me desperate being a kid from St. Louis moving to New Jersey and not having pork steaks available. I even set up a conference call between my butcher in New Jersey and my butcher in St. Louis so they could talk butcher talk together. Uh-huh. And it was concluded that the back this is in 19 you know uh, early 80s and they concluded that the meat from the distributor wasn't cut for the butcher in new jersey to slice pork steaks from it's from the shoulder mm -hmm. and they just cut mm -hmm. it differently and the shoulder cut wasn't available to slice it but after 20 years in new jersey i found a butcher that did sell it and now i can go over to Publix here in um Daytona Beach, a mile from my house, and buy pork steaks. So life is much better than it used to be. Nice. That's great. I'll have to try it. I'm going to look for it at the grocery store next time. It's a steak that's cut anywhere from a half inch to a full inch thick, and it has like a Y-shaped bone in it. It's very unique. Mm. And uh, it's a bit fatty. Carolyn, my girlfriend, doesn't care for all the fat. She cuts all the fat off 
which is pretty close to sacrilegious behavior in St. Louis. You eat the fat. That's the best part. Oh, okay. But, uh, I've made them for, I make them for her all the time and her parents love them too. So it oh. became a standard in, in their family now. Pork steaks, you know, Jim's pork steaks. Jim's pork steaks. Jim's pork steaks. That's what they call them. Not St. Louis. It's Jim's pork steaks. Yes, exactly. I mean, if I ever have anyone on and they say pork steak, I, I'm going to have to connect you guys because this is not a known thing. And uh, yeah. I probably have some pictures of pork steak dinners on my phone. I'll send them to you. Typically, the dinner is pork steaks, uh, baked beans, uh, maybe French fries or, uh, you know, some sort of toast of, of some sort. And uh, then a cold uh, Budweiser beer. Okay. St. Louis, that's what you drink is Budweiser. Oh, okay. What about Bud Light or just Budweiser? Well, I drink Bud Light, but that's sort of old man's beer. You know, people complain that Bud has a bad taste. And I say, well, I drink Bud Light. It cuts the taste down a little bit. Mm. But, um, I, I go to cigar bars and they laugh at me for drinking horse piss, you know, when I order a Bud Light. Yeah. People, um, when I used to bartend, we didn't always have Budweiser or we only had it in like an aluminum thing. We didn't have it on draft mm -hmm. and uh, they were upset if you said we only have Bud Light on draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being from St. Louis, if I drink any other beer, I kind of feel like I'm cheating on my girlfriend. You know, it just doesn't feel right. And we don't want that. So that's... No. No, I'm, I'm a loyal kind of guy, so I drink Bud Light. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, Jim, are you ready for the, the hard-hitting questions? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm prepared. I, stu I studied. I think I probably overstudied. But probably. Okay. I, thought about my, I thought about my whole life in preparation for this, just in case. Okay, well, this is a, a pretty recent question, and uh, honestly... It's not really a test of your memory because some people cannot do this, but what did you dream about last night? Oh, I dream a lot. Oh, okay. um, my, yeah, my girlfriend um, is upset because almost every morning when I wake up, I tell her about my dreams. And um, last night I had a dream about working and giving a presentation, that's a common theme for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to explain people uh, how to do business development. And last night, my dream was with respect to um, giving strategic advice to uh, Amazon and uh, uh, the, the other companies that dropped uh, Parler and dropped uh, the. Um, you know, uh, anti-truth websites. So I was explaining to them that it was the right decision to make. This was, in my dream, it was before they made the decision, I was trying to convince them that the best thing for Apple and Amazon was to drop their affiliations with Parler. Wow, so you added a little bit of- So it, it wrapped, it, 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 it was a sort of a culmination of, you know, the, uh, attack on the capital and the reaction. Finally, companies are coming to the decision that maybe being a platform for misinformation is not the best way to go forward. Mm -hmm. 
And they started, in my dream, they started giving me the argument that, well, freedom of speech. And I had to explain to them that this has nothing to do with freedom of speech. It's your product. It's your platform. It's your store. You have the right to refuse service to anyone. Freedom of speech only involves the government shutting down speech. They're not the government. They have every right to shut down speech that they don't feel is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And that was my dream. I mean, great argument. And I'm, I, I guess somewhere they listened if, you know. I think they did, yeah. Your dream literally came true. But you see how my dream is? I'm a bit of a narcissist myself. I was the one responsible for making them make the decision. But it, it wasn't a new concept to me. You know, I, when I left the Bell System as an employee and had my consulting company, that's what I did for a living. I, I was recommending companies as, as to what products they should have and what strategic direction they should follow. Hmm. So it just falls into what I did for 30 years or more. So it's like, it's like an anxiety dream almost from work because they're not listening to you. You have to kind of tell them what to do, but you're an expert in this field. Oh, 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 you forgot. It's my dream. They always listen to me. Oh, oh of course. It's not real life. It's, it's my dream. So I, at least I have control in my dreams. And I feel very refreshed when I wake up because finally somebody's listening to me and they don't argue with me in my dreams. Wow. They're my dreams, remember. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're lucky because sometimes my dreams are really stressful and I wake up tired. Mm. tired. I often wake up uh, feeling tired because I, and also Carolyn says that I mumble a lot because in my dreams I'm, I'm usually talking and giving speeches and stuff or making presentations. And uh, yeah, I, I do feel sort of worn out, but in an exhilarating feeling. Mm. What a great way to wake up, exhilarated. See, I learned when I was your age, when I was in college, I read all these books by Freud on controlling your dreams. And so I started at your age to set an agenda for my dreams. Uh, I don't formally do that anymore, but I have uh, pretty good control of my dreams, thanks to Freud. Wow. How did you read read Freud on dreams and it'll change your life in terms of uh, your sleep patterns and what you dream because you can control your dr- dreams. You can say, I'm going to work on this problem or this issue when you go to bed and your, your subconscious will do that. Oh, wow. Wait. So I know Freud wrote about dreams. What is a specific book? Uh, I think it's just titled Freud on dreams or on dreams, something like that. Okay. I am writing that down because I've had a lot of nights where I have dreams. Yeah. And oh, you don't have to write it down because I'm the kind of person I will look it up and send you the reference. Oh, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. I've, I've done that in the past, right? I've, yes, I've sent you, you references on, on, you know, things I mentioned and I can't forget. Like the science fiction book, something I hadn't read in 50 years. I had to look it up. It, it took me a while to figure out which author it was and which book it was, but I finally found the reference and sent it to you. You did and took the exact quote that you needed, so... And that was what I read 50 years ago. Yeah. I, I think because you read so much, your memory is very strong. Oh, don't get me on memories. Memories are so incorrect. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Me- memories work like a Xerox machine. 
you make a copy of something, then you make a copy of that, then you make a copy of that. And pretty soon it's all fuzzy and different from the original. Mm -hmm. Dreams are like that. Every time we take them out, we modify them and we don't put back the originals. We put back the modified version. Yeah. Like making a copy of a copy of a copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do know that about memories. Like, but by the time you've now remembered it, like the 10th time, it's pretty inaccurate from what actually happened. It is. Yeah. It's pretty fuzzy and it's changes over time, especially something that you pull out all the time. Every time you put it back, it's changed a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, with the, like elastic pants that, you know, stretch, they get more comfortable as time goes on. Exactly. Elastic pants, jeans, like the more you wear, yeah. the better they, they tend to fit. It, as long as you're not putting them in the dryer sometimes. So. Makes yeah. Tired, tighter. Um, well, yeah. I'm glad that you brought up a book because that's a beautiful segue into the next question, which is what book has impacted you the most? Uh, Carolyn just asked me this question because I go through a lot of books and she said, well, what was the most impactful book that you did in the past year? And I had to say that uh, the, the, one of the books that I sent you for, for uh, Christmas, mm -hmm. uh, the, the cognitive book by the neuroscientist. Uh, yes. Cognition. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. I was just looking at it on my shelf. Yeah. Uh, that, that book just really did change my perspective and my view of how the brain processes information, how we think as human beings, how we remember as human beings and how we re uh, it changes our behavior in terms of what we see and what you know we perceive um, it, it, it's just a it's not revolutionary but the way he says it made the biggest impact on me I forget the, if you have it there I forget the title the, the author's name but I had read a book by him a number of years ago just called brains and that was pretty good but the, the book on uh, uh, cognition was just amazing. It just blew my mind. I, 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 I read it uh, on Kindle, so I didn't have a hard copy. So I bought myself a hard copy and then bought a copy for you for Christmas. So Yes, I'm excited. It had that much of an impact to me that I, I thought I have to get this to Bella so that she can read it because it changed my view of sociology, social structures, uh, tribal behavior. Uh, more than anything I've read in the last decade. Wow, I'm very excited to read it. And it's David Eagleton. David Eagleton, yeah, that's it, right. Yeah. Young people can remember stuff. I just looked it up. I just looked at it on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. I, I, I love those books because I learned so much, but sometimes I'll have to like read some pages and then digest it a little. And then, because when you learn something that kind of changes your whole perspective on something so big, it's a lot to take in. Yes. And that's one influence you've had on me since you started the sociology book discussion group. I've been going back to all of my old sociology texts that I haven't looked at for 50 years and I've been rereading those. And then I went through all of my uh, uh, master's uh, thesis advisors' publications that they wrote since I've known them, and I've been reading those. So it, it kind of got me more into the uh, formal theories of sociology. And I appreciate that. 
Oh yeah. You changed my life. So that was good. Ah, thanks. Yeah. It's, um, those books are so interesting because a lot of stuff stays the same over time and a lot of stuff changes. So it's interesting. Yes. And rereading something that you studied 50 years ago with now 50 years of experience, uh, because I did sociology for 50 years, that's what I was, or for 40 years in, in, in work. I, I was doing marketing and social research and uh, market research. So, you know, I considered myself a, a sociologist all through business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I am hoping to use my sociology background as well as a school counselor. So. Yep. We'll see. Yeah, it, 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 it's a discipline that applies to many different disciplines. Yes, which is interesting because in a few of my undergrad classes, my professors were like, we really hope you don't want to make money because this degree is not going to get you very far. But I found it. I heard, I heard the same thing. That's why I got my degrees in business also. Yeah, but I always thought it was pretty applicable. I mean, I have to get my master's in something else, but I definitely have used a lot of what I learned. So I don't think it's useless. Well, people ask me, well, why did you get business degrees if you had sociology degrees? And I said, well, the sociology degrees prepared me to do the work. The business degrees enabled me to get the job. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't have the business degrees, I probably wouldn't have had the positions that I had. I had to lead with those in the interviews for you know various promotions and job opportunities. Um, I, I couldn't sell myself as a sociologist, but that's the work I was doing. Right. And do you think you would have been as, like personally, do you feel like you would have been as qualified for those jobs even without the business degrees? No, because that's what I did. I did sociology in my jobs, uh, in uh, strategic planning and market needs analysis and market segmentation. Those are all sociology perspectives about the social order and how groups of people are going to work and behave, how they're going to use telecommunication services. For example, it was my group that was developing apps for the first time in the Bell system when no one knew what an app was. And my senior managers were saying, we're never going to do the things that you're talking about over the telephone in terms of direction and having, I mean, I, I did a business proposal effectively for Google one time, not me, but somebody on my staff. She brought it to me. I thought it was great because at that point, the internet was something that was cumbersome. It was only used by a few researchers and going mostly to education databases. And her proposal was really to do the Google interface to do something that was searchable, fast, and relevant. But we couldn't get our senior managers to buy off on it. They kept saying there's no business opportunity there, mm-hmm. which is funny considering how big Google is today. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of, one of the big disappointments in my life. I couldn't sell the idea to senior managers that a searchable, easily ranked database access to the internet was something that was going to be useful to people. They said, well, nobody's going to be using the internet. It's just for a bunch of, you know, knobby researchers in Bell Labs. They use the internet, but nobody else did in the company. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's why you continue to have dreams about presentations because you're, oh, yes. yeah. you're still fighting for that. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. 
yeah it all yeah. came back definitely so okay. from pork steaks to the internet that was the first question right yes from pork steaks to the internet and then i have the last question oh what's the middle question do we do the second one already the book how oh the book that's i'm sorry yep okay um it just flowed really well from the first question so yeah um the last question is if you were president what's the first thing you'd work to change about the united states oh my gosh the hard one there is first because i'm always saying if i'm president i would make this law right <laughs> people can't lie people can't cheat um I think the first thing I would do is is uh, push for the uh, absolution of all student debt. That'd oh, be my number one priority. Thanks. That would be it. And make colleges like every other developed country in the world free. You know, that that's just part of education. Uh, because it, it not only does it relieve a generation of debt, but it also gives the subsequent generations easier access to higher education. And that's the only way we'll compete in the world. Uh, so th that would be the, the number one leading thing on my agenda. Uh, second would be, you know, fixing Obamacare, making it available to everybody to push for a, a unified national health care plan, like most other developed countries have. That's the other big thing we're missing as a society is the, the right to have health care, mm -hmm. which, in my view, that would get rid of all of the health insurance companies. I can say this because I'm never going to run for office again. But to get rid of the healthcare, you know, insurance industry, that's just billions of dollars that's wasted on healthcare with salaries and bonuses and people who are just there to not approve healthcare. Um, my wife and I went through infertility for a long time, and you know, the the joke became too real for me that the real purpose of the insurance company was to deny claims. I'd be sending in claims all the time for infertility treatment drugs that were running $800, $1,200 a month. And they always came back rejected. And I'd send them in again. They'd come back rejected again. And on the third time, I'd be arguing with senior managers, and they'd finally approve them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would just give up at that point. I was more persistent and I was salaried, so you know nobody I could make those phone calls during quote work hours, but uh, many people can't do that you know, they can't take off their you know, micromanaged job and make calls to the insurance company to get a claim paid that they know that should be paid yeah so first thing is uh st student loans and and uh, free education second would be healthcare. Well, I would really appreciate the uh, student loan forgiveness. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I find myself lucky with the amount of student debt I have. It's definitely in the low range for sure and will be able to be paid um, reasonably. But I know some people that are like in the hundred past that and I just... Yeah. It's so hard. It's so overwhelming to be that in debt before you even start a career. And then to not even be able to start most careers with, without having that degree. I mean, there are a lot of companies that will pay for your master's, but those are like really competitive 
and you need something to get those jobs. It's just the, it's really, yeah. it's against, you know, the system's set up against uh, you. And then, and then all the jobs that you, that don't require a degree, if you can't afford it, they really don't pay a livable wage, so. Yeah, or, or have job security. You know, right. not only do they pay low wage, but they have high levels of insecurity. So, yeah. it, it, you know, with anything that goes wrong, you're out of a job. And then you're out of insurance and you're out of, you don't have a safety net. Yeah. I mean, Europeans think it, it's totally ridiculous that you lose your insurance if you change your job or decide not to work for a while. And yet, you know, study after study shows that if you have security and you have health insurance, you're much more likely to change jobs and or not work for a while, which eventually makes you a far more productive citizen and a bigger contributor to society. If you exactly. take away that earning requirement, that's why in some countries, in Europe, the Scandinavian countries, you have a minimum income and you can do whatever you want and you become much more productive that way and more productivity in terms of mental productivity makes you a better contributing member of society that's why they're so happy right and i feel like you'd rather contribute to society if you feel like since society is contributing to you yes if, if you feel the system is set up against you then why why would you want to do anything for it yeah. So, you know, like we pay so much in taxes for our jobs and it's just frustrating because I don't really know, like compared to other places in the world, I feel like I live like a queen, but I'm just saying like, it's just frustrating when there's so many things that I feel like are not being heard. And then you give all this money to where, like, I, I yeah. don't know where it goes. Yeah. So you know, and I worry about generations. Uh, in my generation, we did have the duck and cover and the nuclear attack and the end of the world with overpopulation and pollution scenarios to deal with. And specifically, I had Vietnam as a threat in my you know early years um, of marriage between 68 and 72. But uh, uh, there's the idea that you guys have face a different threat, a threat of not being as successful as your parents, not having financial stability. And I never had that threat. I always knew that I would do better than my parents who had done very well. And I never in my life felt that I had economic insecurity. Um, I always felt that I could find the social systems and the, and the support mechanisms to when I got out of the army, uh, I, I moved to Illinois, which was at that, uh, I was born and reared in St. Louis on the Missouri side of the river. But um, when, when I got out of the army, I went to Illinois because they were like second or third in the country in terms of supporting their students. So I never had to pay for tuition. Um, I, I not only had my tuition waived, but I had an Illinois State Scholarship that paid me a stipend. Um, so I was able to figure out the system to pay for my education, mm -hmm. which lasted a long time. Yeah, I was in school yeah. for a long time, but um, you know that's because I could afford it because the society supported me in little ways. 
by not charging me tuition and giving me a stipend to go to school and I had the GI Bill. So between those two, I, you know, we, we led a comfortable life. My wife and I were both full-time students. And yeah. that's yeah. virtually not available any longer. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff for you to cut your tuition. Like I said before, find a job that will pay for it, and then you know yes. you can still get it through the military. But um, it is pretty limited, and I don't think there's still an idea that you're going to do better than your parents. Most people live with their parents into their 30s now. Yes, in my generation, we did until we were 22 or 23. Right. And with my experience with, you know, people I know, it's not because they want to, it's just like impossible to find some sort of a job that will pay them enough to live on their own. They don't have to live like squalor pretty much. If they're lucky enough to be able to live with their parents, some people yes. don't have that opportunity and then they have to, you know, figure it out, which you know, is possible, but, and, and, th and this is just for people who are completely able-bodied and mentally fit and, you know, anything out of that category, like mental health issues, well, you might as well just throw all your opportunities in the trash because no one really yes. provides for that at all, so. Yeah. So my heart goes out to your generation. I think your challenges are much greater than ours. Um, even though we faced those things I mentioned about overpopulation, that was a big thing. Uh, it affected my wife and I. We didn't have children until we were married almost 20 years. Uh, we jokingly said we had our own grandchildren by that time. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, my wife. She gave birth to my two grandchildren. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. Did, did your kids that? Unlike my, my grandfather, now I, my great-grandfather, uh, my, my mother's grandfather, he was a Kentucky doctor. He went to Vanderbilt University for surgery uh, training. I went to Miami of Ohio for his medical school. He came back as a young doctor when he was 23. He delivered a young woman that then he married when, he was, when she was 17. Yes, I, you sent me an article. Did I, did I send that to you? Yeah, he, he delivered his own wife. That is, that's being that's being a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And didn't he only have baby teeth? Yes, he had the popcorn teeth, they call it, which was the, he never had uh, adult teeth come in. What a very unique guy. Yeah, Dr. Billy, we always called him as grandkids. Dr. Dr. Billy. I never met him. He died before I born, but uh, he was a big figure in our family. Wow, that's wild that he delivered his wife but i didn't know that until my brother died this past summer and i started doing research on the family and i found that you know and uh, you know read it in a uh, they had uh, historical books on the county in kentucky and he was noted for uh, having delivered his own wife very interesting that, that's a one-off yeah I've never known anyone who's their great grandfather delivered their mother delivered their great grandmother. I don't know of that either. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. That's I do know from my mother's stories that he, he he was a fastidious man. He took a bath every month. 
which was unusual back then. Baths were usually quarterly. Oh. Yeah. He took a bath every month. He was a very clean person. How clean of him. Quarterly yeah. bath. Well, yeah, daily bathing is a very new thing with respect to humans. Oh, wow. That, uh, that must have been very smelly, especially, you said Kentucky, right? Yes. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. No. I was just reading about the year 1000, and it was considered overbathing if you bathe more than once a year. Oh. Yeah. That, that's where the custom for the bouquet of flowers came for the wedding. It was to create a nice aroma around the bride. Really? Yeah, she smelled so bad that the flowers helped. That's good to know. I mean, that's the reason for the bouquet. So now, if we hold the bouquet, are we really just telling everyone that we smell? Yeah. <laughs> and we can throw it away now because we don't need it. Exactly. Well, yeah. I'll save money on that. <laughs> good plan. Well, the more you know. Um, well, great answers, Jim. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, Did I pass the test? I was very nervous when you first asked me about this. Oh, yeah. Test passed for sure. Uh, I think your answers were great. I'm, I'm honestly impressed you remembered your dream from last night because I usually remember my dreams and everyone I tell them to, they're like, I have no idea what I dreamt last night. Mm. And the fact that I'm asking you at, you know, five, six o'clock you know I woke up earlier today. Yeah. Um, well, you can thank freud for that because I, I i do tend to try to control my dreams and remember them yes i will thank freud for that <laughs> yeah um awesome so who would you like to answer these questions um the person in my mind, except for Carolyn, who bailed out on me, my girlfriend said she wouldn't do it. Okay. Um, is uh, a friend of ours named Carla. What is her name? Carla, K-A-R-L-A. Oh, Carla. Okay. Carla. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's a, a, a friend that uh, we've had. Uh, she used to work for Carolyn and we, pay, we became fast friends and she is just one of the most interesting smart and funny people that i know okay so i thought that would be a good mix yes i'm very excited to meet carla and see how she answers these questions i haven't asked her yet but we'll, we'll hopefully and she's also a risk taker so i think she's willing to do it carolyn's not a risk taker that's okay we need non-risk takers to kind of mellow out the risk takers i think yes yeah so it's a good balance Awesome. Well, I hope Carla takes this risk, even though the stakes are pretty low. And uh, I'd be interested to see what she says for sure. And maybe down the road, Carolyn's like, oh, you know, that was pretty cool. I would like to do it. I'm always happy to have her on. She is. Sounds good. Yeah. I have two other people in mind if Carla doesn't do it. Okay. That's totally but, fine. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Carla will say yes. She's okay. a bit adventurous. After that introduction, I'm very curious to meet Carla. So I, I'm yeah. hoping that she says yes. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I well, remember meeting Carla on a telephone call. Carolyn had her on speakerphone. They were talking about work. 
and I was overhearing it. I had to come in and tell Carolyn, I love this woman. She is so funny and so great. So that's awesome. I didn't meet her face to face for another couple of months, but we had some good conversations in between. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. I'm really excited to meet her. Sounds good. Yes. Jim, it has been a pleasure having you on. I thank you so much. It's been fun. Okay. Carla, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. So Carla, Jim referred me, uh, referred you to me for the podcast. So can you tell me how you know Jim? Um, I know Jim through my friend, Carolyn, me and her work together. Yes. Uh, we became instant friends. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So can you introduce yourself and tell us your name, where you're from and what you do? Um, my name is Carla Sharp and I'm from, well, I'm from uh, Bayonne, New Jersey. However, I reside in Holly Hill, Florida at this time. Um, I work as a customer service agent. Uh, right now I'm doing temporary work for the Department of Economic Opportunities, uh, unemployment office. And um, I have three kids, uh, three dogs. <laughs> um, dogs and animals are my kind of hobby. You know, I love taking care of them. And oh. I love food porn. I love food porn. I can watch food all day long. <laughs> Do you like yeah. to cook? Yes, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. I love to cook. Yeah. Doesn't always turn out great, but hey, I try. <laughs> okay. No one, no one is um, keeping score. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Um, so, wow, working in unemployment must be very interesting in Florida. Oh yeah, I just started. It's um yeah. 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 Challenging. <laughs> but your work is needed, so thank you. Um you are actually not the first person on the podcast from Bayonne. Really? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. wow, that's interesting. Okay, so you said you love food, which is great because every time yes. someone comes on for the first time, I have the same question for them, and that is, what is your favorite food? Oh. The age thing? I mean, there's kids. Eggs. Eggs. Okay. In any particular way? No, that's the best thing. I love eggs because you could do so much with them. Um, we have nothing to eat. We'll do scrambled eggs sometimes, not just make breakfast, you know, scrambled eggs with bacon or something. Um, so I've recently gone vegan. So this is a real challenge. <laughs> not having. <laughs> oh, this is really interesting because I love, love eggs. Um, you can fry them, um, fried rice, you put eggs in it. Um, so I would say eggs. I could say something else, but you can't, I wouldn't eat everything like that. Gotcha. Well, I'm sorry you're losing eggs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I heard vegan's good, so. Yes, it is. It has so many benefits that I really didn't know. You know, a plant-based diet is, you know, well, plant-based way of eating, I should say, because it's not going to be a diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. 
Very nice. Okay, so get into the big questions. I just have to find them really quick. Okay, the first one is, what did you dream about last night? Um, I dreamt about my aunt calling me, um, asking me why I haven't called her. She's in the hospital. Yeah. And I can't reach her. And we speak every day. So I had a dream that she called me to see why I haven't called her. <laughs> and it's like, well, I can't reach you. <laughs> and it's like, I knew it was a dream because she's in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That must be tough. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. My- Maybe she was sending you like a little telepathic message. <laughs> That's what my husband said. <laughs> She's sending you messages. <laughs> Aww. So you're still connected somehow. Which is- <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, next question. Mm-hmm. What book has impacted you the most? Um, Orion Mountain. Oh. Orion Mountain Dreamer. It's... um. Oh, it's called the. Uh, oh, he just made me lose it. Oh, the invitation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, what what's a little synopsis of it? Um, it basically has you take a look at your life, and just reevaluate um, what you want out of your life. Um, what are you willing to do? in order to get what you want and how do you plan on doing that if there are obstacles in your way and she gives you little scenarios and synopsis for you to answer you know different questions uh, for yourself but to be brutally honest you know is the first um, is the first thing so it took me a while because sometimes you think you're being brutally honest with yourself that's pretty much it um because in each chapter uh, she goes through um, different things first she invites you to the invitation you know um, to see if you're willing to um, do what needs to be done you know and it's like it's, it, I thought it was really cool so I have her other books now and I'm getting ready to go through those oh cool hopefully they're just as inspirational as the first one was oh yes I hope so help me make a lot of changes yes that's good. Change is good. Yes. Okay. Speaking of changes, last question. If you were president, what's the first thing you'd work to change about the U.S.? Oh, good Jesus. Um, um, the, oh, sorry. That's my husband. He keeps trying to call me. Um, the racial divide. Hmm. Try to figure out how to unite the country. It, that's something that will probably take a long time, but I think it's worth uh, working on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, a large puzzle and it seems like it has a lot of pieces to still be worked on. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I'm, I wouldn't know how to go about it, but I try and um, get people together to figure out how we can work on having that um, happen. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And with a problem that large, it shouldn't be up to just one person. A a good committee would probably be a good idea. A good start. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, Carla, those were all the questions. You did oh. amazing. Oh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> who would you like to answer these questions? Um, I'm not really sure. I have a friend, Sini, and I have a friend, Brooke, but I have to get in touch with them um, okay. <laughs> um, if and when they're available. Yep. I thought I was maybe the last person on the list, but... <laughs> Nope, you're number two. Or maybe I can get my aunt. I'll put my feelers out though, and I'll have somebody for you in about a half hour. Okay, <laughs> sounds great. Thanks. Okay. Let me put this up so you can see me. Okay. Okay, we're going. Kim, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so you were referred to the podcast by Carla. So can you tell me how you know Carla? Carla is my first cousin. My mother and my mother are sisters. Very nice. Very nice. Did you grow up near each other? Yes, we did for part of our lives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, this episode started with Jim. Would you happen to know Jim? I do not know a Jim. Okay. All right, so we're pretty far removed from our first person, which is cool. We've traveled far on this episode. Um, And can you introduce yourself and give us your name, where you're from, and what you do? Okay, my name is Kim Henry, formerly Kim Panky. I am currently unemployed, but I'm a substitute teacher, as well as a notary public, a wonderful and glorious mother, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't laugh at me <laughs> and um my my actually I actually went to college to be I'm a certified chef but I no longer practice only privately oh okay I love cooking that's exciting yes very cool I'm sure you definitely used your skills as a mother though yes and I've taught my kids very well oh they're lucky they're lucky that's an important thing to learn I think it, it really is mm-hmm Great. That's awesome. It seems like you're a jack of all trades from, from what you say. Um, kind of, sort of. I'm only a master of two. A master of two. Yes. yes. Is that a mom and a chef? Yes. I got it. I got it. Um, okay. So every time I have someone on the podcast for the first time, I ask them the same question just to get them in the mood to start answering. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. And now I'm asking a chef, so I'm excited. Kim, what is your favorite food? That's a very hard question for me to answer because I don't have a favorite food. I really love all food. Um, I don't have a favorite. I'm so sorry. That's okay. What's, um, what's something you really enjoy? I enjoy everything. It's really hard for me to answer that question. I guess for like the average person, you can be like, oh yeah, like spaghetti and meatballs because I eat it all the time. It's wonderful. But because I eat such a wide variety of things, mm-hmm. it, I like everything has its own unique taste, mm, yeah. um, especially depending upon your mood. Sometimes ice cream takes, tastes good when you're sad and it tastes horrible when you're happy. Like, I don't want that shit. Oh, sorry. Can we curse on here? Yeah, you can. You can. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so um, I know that my family has their own likings. 
you know, like my mother likes chicken salad. My kids like when I make a spicy pork um, baked ziti and they like sushi. So I bought my son his own sushi kit for Christmas. Oh, nice. Yes. We're very eclectic here. Okay. I love it. I love it. Great answer. Great answer. That's okay if you don't have a favorite because okay. yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. Now here are the big questions. The first one. What did you dream about last night? Uh. <laughs> I'm expected to be honest, correct? Correct. I dreamed about getting laid. <laughs> and how exactly how I wanted it to be. At 44, I still have those dreams. So, excuse me. You're a human being. That is totally fine. I am, girl. Hoo-wee. <laughs> wow. Was it one of those dreams where you woke up and you were like, you want to go back to sleep? No. It was like, I woke up and I was like, why isn't it happening? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't put it up in here. If I can't get it down there. Oh my gosh. I'm a piece of, I'm a piece of work. I, don't... <laughs> I love it. Oh, Kim, you're great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Our answers are good. Next okay. question. Um, what book has impacted you the most? I would have to say there would be two books. Okay. One would be The Coldest Winter by Sister Soldier. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other book would have to be The Color Purple. Okay. Yeah. And what ages were you when you read those books? Um... I can't remember how old I was when I read The Color Purple, but I know that I was really excited to see the movie adaptation of it mm-hmm. when it came out. Like I followed it all along, even to Broadway. Um, it's just a very, the book was powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was 23 when I read The Coldest Winter. And it was really deep for me. Mm-hmm. My cousin introduced me to the book. She said, Kim, you gotta read this book. And I was like, read it. They're like, at that point I was nerdy. I was like, if it didn't have to do about philosophy, sociology or a cookbook with Asian fusion, I didn't want to read it. But <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm one of those people if you haven't seen, noticed already. Like I know what, you know, what it is. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I was 22, 23, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I thought I knew, because at that point, I was very book smart, but I wasn't very street smart. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't allowed to, you know, be out there, and, and I tried my best to be, but it wasn't until I moved to New York by myself that I be I began to see a lot of things, experience a lot of things. So those two books really did a lot for me during the course of my life. Cool, that's really cool. And do you have copies of them in your house? 
I do not have copies of them. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because my daughter who is now 17, I think she would enjoy reading those. She has her own book list. And the last book I, I bought her was Becoming by Michelle. Oh, Obama, nice. Um, for Christmas last year. So um, I, I would like to introduce them to her and have her read them. Cool. That's a really cool thing to pass down. I honestly, I've never thought about that with books, but it's like, you know, this whole wealth of knowledge and you could just. It really is. And you put your own spin to it because, you know, each individual reader that the concept of what is written down in the book is new to everybody. It's different. What I get out of it is not what you're going to get out of it. So books are great. It's not like movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're very good. Awesome. And I love that you brought up that you were just reading cookbooks and sociology because I was a sociology major and I love to cook. So we are. Oh, me too. Way. That was sociology. I went back to school and got an associate in soci- sociology. Ah, so, there we go. I knew we were kindred spirits. Yeah, I felt it. I felt yeah. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Last question. Okay. If you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing you do to change the country? The first thing I would do to change the country? Mm-hmm. Or what would you change? I think I would try, I would focus more towards a socioeconomic system. Mm-hmm. I believe that a lot of problems that we have now, and that's even within society, everybody always wants what somebody else has. And the people that have what they have mistreated and want what the people who don't have got. Mm-hmm. And I think because there's everything is so unequal and the opportunities are unequal. And I'm not even referring to age, race, you know, discrimination, gender discrimination. I'm just talking in general mm-hmm. across the board. So I would make it so that everyone could have a place at the table. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess in latter terms, no more good old boy system. Mm-hmm. You know you yeah. know what I'm saying? Get through everything on your own merit, mm-hmm. your own qualifications, not so much how many years you've been in college because sometimes five years of life experience outweighs a college degree any day. Oh, definitely. Oh. Yeah. Definitely. So um, that's that's what I would try to do because, you know, it goes back to that, that saying, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. You know, like yeah. as long as you, then everything's good. She doesn't have to have the finest things. She doesn't, you know, need to have, but if she's happy, then the productivity and everything that comes along with it is just abundant. So yeah. I think society, if we're happy as a whole, mm-hmm sky's the limit, you know, possibilities are endless. You won't have people fighting, shooting each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spoken like a true sociologist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's funny because I was just talking to someone the other day and they have like a really good job, a job that they always really wanted. And I was asking them how they got it. And they told me that they applied for the internship like 10 times and they got denied all 10 times. And this is like a really, it's a, I think they told me it's a fortune 500 company. It's really big. Um, so 
I'm assuming the like the applications are just like you know crazy just so many um it's like a 0.02 acceptance rate something nuts like that and they got denied 10 times and then they were working a job as a landscaper um and the person's house that they were landscaping for happened to be um oh I'm gonna mess this up they were very high up they're like the VP of that regional branch of the company and um so you know, this person was a really hard worker and the person who owned the house, you know, he met them, met, I guess the guy's wife first. And, you know, the wife really appreciated all the work that he was doing. And then, um, he met the guy and the guy was like really nice. And, um, and then he ended up, uh, the guy had a party and, uh, I guess the landscapers were helping out at the party and he had to go pick up someone who's like even more high up in the company worth like you know, I don't know, makes probably like 500 million a year, something nuts. And, uh, and this was just a regular guy, but they just spoke. And then, you know, after these relationships, he was able to get the internship through knowing them. And that's a really great story and everything. But, you know, I also think about all the people who aren't lucky enough to be in that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's nuts that, you know, people um, are judged based off a resume and not an interview, because I feel like you can learn so much about someone based off an interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, some people aren't, I don't want to say smart, because I don't like using that word smart, Mm -hmm. aren't as, let's just use the word woke. Okay. Just not as woke as us. Um, And I think they tend to forget that this country is based on capitalism. Mm -hmm. And in order for that to work, nepotism plays a huge factor in making money. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only because you know a person, but people tend to think because you know them, you have a small percentage of control over them because you got them that position. Yeah. So therefore your wants become their wants, your needs become their needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that if it wasn't like that, if the country, if the country wasn't built like that, that there will be equal opportunity for people because mm-hmm. not everybody would want to see how much they can milk it for what it's worth instead of just accepting it for what it is right you know that just brings me if every neighborhood if an orange was a dollar in every neighborhood then everybody could eat Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying there wouldn't oh there wouldn't be people going hungry people living in 10 million dollar homes eating caviar every night where there's people living in a tenement eating ramen noodles and tuna after can Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's so I think that goes to your previous question about what would I do to change the country? You know, I think um, even if you are a millionaire, I don't think you should have to spend $200 for an orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should still be an orange. But that just goes to show how much work and effort you put into accumulating that wealth if you started off like everybody else. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Am I rambling? Because I have a tendency to do that. No, no, I love it. I love it. It's um, yeah, what you're saying is so interesting. I, I, I think that um, for me, 
I think that the importance on education, it, it is important, but there's some things that you can't learn from a book. And I try to tell my daughter that. There's a lot of things that you can't learn from a book. You actually have to be out and around people. Mm -hmm. um, learn how to deal with different temperaments, um, different backgrounds, different religions, just so you that helps you get ahead further in life. It's helped me even to the point where sometimes I dumb myself down when I'm out and about. Like you see me laughing and giggling. That's like my personable side. But when I have a deep conversation with somebody, they want to walk away because they don't expect that coming from me. Mm -hmm. So because I don't use it all the time, it's like a waste, I feel, or they need to get on board. Um, and that's it, because I am going to ramble on and I, this is not a, a lecture. <laughs> I don't want to get on that level. So I got to, you know, lighten up the mood a little bit right now. Um, but I, I see it. I see it a lot. I see it from all walks of life. And I didn't mention in your first question, um, also a foster parent. And I've only taken teenage kids, teenage girls. That's all I take in. Whoa. You say, girl, huh, how do you do it? Because yeah. people are always taking babies, you know, yeah. that's, and when they come to you and they ask you, it's like a grocery list. You don't get kids that are needy. The agency at the, the state actually asks you, what do you prefer? Mm -hmm. Would you like white, black, boy, girl, young, old? Like they add, and you got to check off who you are willing to accept in your home. Mm -hmm. So I saw that when I first started, I didn't check anything, but I was getting so many phone calls for teenage girls. They couldn't find homes for them. Wow. And there's no more group homes. You know, they out and got rid of that, I think, in the early 90s. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to take them in. And I kind of forgot how I was when I was 16 and 17. So it was an, an eye opener, talking with them, learning. And I've had blonde hair, blue eyed girls. I've had Puerto Rican. I've had inner city gang members in my house. Mom is trying to send Ubers to pick them up you know, for my house to go back home. Like I, and I think that made me a stronger person, but it also upped my level of empathy. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, I was not an empath. I could give two shits with what you do, where you come from. I used to tell them, I'll meet you in the backyard. Let's go in my backyard. We're going to fight it out to the foster girls. You yeah. got to talk to me crazy, girl. You done bumped your head. Like the New York would come out of me. But then the Jersey part of me would have to take over. Mm -hmm. And I would have to woosa yep. and talk to, okay, baby, this is what's, what's going on. Well, how would you like to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. So it was a learning experience for me, but backpedaling to what we was originally talking about, um, the simple things make a difference. And they was always taught growing up, you know, you got to do this to get that. Mm -hmm. In order for you to be here, you got to be this type of person. And as women, we're taught to be a certain way, or he's not going to like you. You're not going to get that job. They're going to talk about you. You know, we're, but men are not. Mm -hmm. There's no playbook for men. They just grow up and do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. Just don't be funky, you know, and just decent. We don't care if they wear the same clothes every day. Like our standards for men is just so low. Mm -hmm. 
If they're not smart, we're going to make them smarter. Right. If they can't cook, we're going to show them how to cook. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're down on their luck, oh, here's 20 bucks, babe, to get you by. Yeah. yeah. But when it's Aritone, oh, I don't got it. Oh, well, I have hot dogs. Oh, well, could you do your hair different? Could you could you lose some weight? You know, on all those, it, it, it's so different. And I had to use that in everyday life, being a foster mom. My expectations are not their wants. Right. Sometimes it was just a hug that would be needed or just a listening ear. And then the grades went up. It's not that they had to study harder. Mm-hmm. It's that they thought, who gives up what I do? Right. Because my path is going to be on somebody's couch, a different person every day, just to get something to eat. I'm giving BJs. Like, this is real life shit that I had to put up with. Mm-hmm. I had to take a, a 15-year-old girl to the gynecologist because she, like, was messed up. Mm-hmm. I, I think if everybody knew what everybody else was going through, and what they had to do to survive every day. Mm-hmm. I think people's point of view would be so different, regardless so, of, you know, like I said, all those other things or your political preference. I think empathy is something that we need a lot more of. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to understand me to empathize for me. You don't gotta like me, you don't gotta live with me, you don't got to do what my dreams are, you know, that you got, you know, just have, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be, is this for a grade? No, no, this is for fun. <laughs> oh, okay, girl, because they're going to be like, who is this fruit loop you got on here? <laughs> she's a man, one, in one minute, she's hood, the next minute she switches it up and she, Talks like she got something going on, and then it's back to mmm. So <laughs> you're fine. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I say sorry, but I am really unapologetic for yeah. the way that God has made me. I love me. Yeah. I love like everything about me because I'm so different and unique, and there's no one on this earth like me. So I love me. Yeah, good, good. I'm, I'm loving you too. Yes. <laughs> Um, so that was the last question yeah yeah but I I do like I love that you're a foster mom because that that's what I want to do so bad so it's so awesome let me tell you till this day two days ago mm-hmm. I was telling you about the blonde hair blue eyed I had two sisters both blonde hair blue eyed never been around black people mm-hmm. didn't have black friends let alone live in a black household mm-hmm. um they came and they stayed with me they were with me for a very long time. They were with me, I think, over six months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And their mother came to my house. We had dinner. Like, they would, their family would visit. I was that type of foster mom, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I really believe from everything I just said, you don't knock a person while they're down. You know, so what? Who am I to judge her because the situation in her household is not good for her kids? That doesn't mean that she's a bad person. That just means that her mothering is not on a level where she could really take care of her kids. It was doing more harm to her kids than good. But it's not her fault that nobody taught her how to be a mother. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. doing the best that she could. So anyway, 
two days ago, I talked to my cousin, a different cousin. I had invited all of my foster girls, all my previous, to my wedding two years ago. But it was one of those weddings where everybody was doing something. So I asked her at this time, I don't know how she was, 24. I said, would you like to bartend at my, um, I was going to say funeral, at my wedding? Because <laughs> girl, we divorced now. We can't get divorced. Um, yeah. Miss Kim don't play that shit. Like there's only but so much I'm going to tolerate. Yeah. I'm not some dumb daughter on a block that you could, you know, especially I have a little common sense and I have a degree. I don't need you for nothing other than, you know, I don't need, I don't need, and nowadays I don't even need that. Silicone is a motherfucker. So I was saying it to, <laughs> I was saying, come bartend at my wedding. You can get all of the tips and I'll pay for you to get like the certificate to do it because mm-hmm. I figured why not let her do that, make some extra money instead of hire a bartender. Right. Yeah. You know, like I, I catered my own wedding. I cooked, you know, three days before everybody was doing, you know, everything. I found out two days ago from my cousin that my foster daughter, she felt she didn't come to my wedding. And she told her the reason why she didn't come is because I didn't invite her. I only asked her to be the bartender. And I said, well, maybe I wasn't specific in saying you being a bartender is being invited to the wedding. It's a family affair. It's like everybody pitched in, we all did something you know, that was your invite. Right. But she didn't get that. It, and my cousin told me she was crying and everything because I was the best mother she ever had. And she was just telling me, all, and I had no clue about this. So I called her up via Facebook Messenger because I didn't have her number. And she said, I'm really mad at you. And I was like, why? She said, for not keeping in touch with me and being my mom. Aww. She, she And she came out to me. I was the first person she came out to. And that was a special moment for me because like we kind of knew, but we didn't know. Yeah, but, yeah. And for senior class, I had her doing her senior year of high school. So I did her hair for her senior pictures and that made her look like a girl. She had long, beautiful. I curled it, put some lip gloss on her. And I didn't know that she only did that for me oh, because she didn't oh. verbally say to me, Miss Kim, like I'm a boy, like I don't, Mm-hmm. relate to that yeah so now all these years later she was like I love you I miss you so much I'm, I want to come over I want to bring my girlfriend she's like I need you I need your guidance and I started crying mm-hmm. because me I don't think of myself like that I do what I gotta do during the course of life that makes my heart light mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying yeah. I don't like having a heavy heart yeah. I do things because that's my nature I didn't think that she absorbed everything because our relationship was so tumultuous while she was here. But I didn't know that that was a form of love. Like she was giving me a hard time because she didn't think she deserved to be loved or taken care of the way I was taking care care of her. Mm -hmm. Because she never experienced that before. And she was angry because how come you're giving it to me and my mom is not? And my mom's supposed to be better than you, you know, because I'm black, you know, like in her, she was going through a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I love me and the force I had to take when I got married, my husband made me stop. Because he didn't want to take on that responsibility of having girls in the house. Mm-hmm. And they could say anything, you know, 
if their dinner wasn't hot enough, they could tell their, their counselor, oh, he touched me. You know, like people don't understand. You only hear stories of bad foster parents or bad foster homes. Right. You don't hear the stories of the kids that we take in who smear doo-doo on the wall. I had a girl who ate pizza on the toilet in the bathroom and threw it out the window. So my front yard was filled with pizza crust. And I was like, what the hell? And asked me to put her on birth control so she could go have sex. And she that was the second day she was in my house. Like, they don't, you don't understand the kind of kids that we get in. Yeah. And it's hard for you to get rid of them. And I, I don't mean to say it so, but if it's intolerable and they don't want to be there and they keep running away, I've had kids run away and then they open a case on me for neglect. Mm-hmm. You can control teenage girls. If they're going to run away, what am I going to put a knife to her face? Then, then I'm going to be locked up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it started to become too much as we got into like 20, I want to say 16, 2015, 2016, the world's changing. Things are changing. You know, they feel as though they have rights. They have all of this. And I had a 13-year-old told me that she was on the same level as me, that she could say and curse at me and say whatever, because her mother told her that she's an adult. Oh. Yeah, like, y- yes. And you may say to yourself, Miss Kim, how did you deal with all of that? girl with a cup of hot blackberry brandy tea a sneak off in my car in the back room a big woosa and then I would have to come back in the house and I'd be happier than a fat kid with a cupcake I'd be so happy and nothing would bother me you yeah. know but that's how I dealt with it but I I kept going I, I kept it you know I never said, no, I'm not going to do it until I got married. And now I'm actually in the process of just revamping my life, re- redoing everything. That's why I said I have to run and go get my notary. I get sworn in today. Yeah. Right? Thank you. I had an interview to be a board member from my local school board. Um, it's a non-paying job, but it opens doors. Yeah. So it goes back to what you were saying with the nepotism. If there's certain goals that I need to achieve, I need to put myself in those right circles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if it's paying, if it's not paying, I'm, it's going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, exactly. So let me go schmooze. All right. Enjoy it, you know, <laughs> do what you got to do, you know, with limitations. Exactly. You know, I'm going to go to the party, but I'm not going to drink the punch type of shit, you know? Very wise. And I say that to my daughter, you can always go to the party, but you don't got to drink the punch. You don't got to follow the crowd. You don't got to do what everybody else is doing, but it's better to listen because that's a smart learner. The less you talk, the more you learn. Mm -hmm. I sound like a damn NBC, the more you learn commercial and shit. The less you speak, the more you learn. (laughs) Oh, anyway, so I should be advertising, right? So, um, I'm talking to you like we're the best of friends, but this is just my personality. I'm a piece of work. I really am, but I'm a I'm a go-getter. And my job right now that I do on the side, which goes back to your second question, I'm what you would call an accommodator. Mm-hmm. People call me up and I only have select clientele. And they say, if they have a hard time finding something or they want something or it's not in their budget, I'm the person you call. Mm. because I'm such a personable person 
I talk to everybody everywhere I go. Even if hey, how you doing? Really? Oh, well, work the pair of pants. They look on, you know, just a simple little. Yeah. Will brighten somebody's day and you'll be remembered forever. Mm-hmm. You know what impact you have on people's lives. And it costs you nothing. It costs zero. But what you get in return could actually turn into dollar signs. So that's what I do. So, you know, um, I may not have, I don't have it, but I will get it for you. And they don't have to be bothered mm-hmm. with it or get their fingers dirty with it. Right. And it's trustworthy. And, it's, and I learned that from being in other circles with business. Mm-hmm. Businessmen conduct business with other, but they have a small circle. Even if somebody recommends them, they're going to vet you. You're going to be vetted. Yeah. They're going to know where you are, who you hang out with, where you're at, because their reputation and their money is on the line. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into this business. I came across someone like that. And I said, oh, I could do that, but on a smaller level, mm-hmm. that's not a problem for me. I'm not in six-figure money, but I could do it in four-figure money, <laughs> you know? And then see where it goes. Like, I'm not dealing in arms, selling military tanks to, you know, yeah. homes and shit like that. No, I'm not that kind of in between. Uh, is this is this public right now? Not right now. No, no, no. It it will be, but you can listen before I put it out for sure. Oh, I don't, you don't even have to edit. I don't care. Okay. Okay. No problem. Yeah, because the rawness is the realness of it. Mm-hmm. I and I just want you people to know, I had no idea what she was going to talk about. I didn't even put any makeup on. So it is what it is. Motherfucker, it is. Yeah, no one will see you, though. No oh, they'll just see you. Oh, okay, that's that's even better. <laughs> uh, too bad they don't get to see all this beautiful gorgeousness. Oh. It, you are very beautiful. Don't now, let me just... play it. <laughs> <laughs> Big girls rock. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's been a pleasure yeah, Kim, this was great. I love meeting you. Oh, did you? You say that to every person you interview. No, well, no, it, I do genuinely enjoy meeting everyone. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, you're great. You're like... I wish you have a cup of tea and a blueberry muffins. And girl, let me give you the tea. What happened yesterday? I, blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Remove. This week we had Jim, Carla, and Kim, and it was a pleasure having all of them on. It was really nice speaking to Jim, who's a friend, and it was really nice meeting Carla and Kim. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the other ones. They can be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Leave a comment in the Instagram if you'd like. That's Instagram at R3MOVED at Removed. Let me know if there's any questions that you'd like to hear and who are some of your favorite people you've listened to. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.